But yeah, we're in, uh, we're in week three uh, of the series called The Question. And uh, it's kind of the, uh, in, in my mind, I started thinking about Lord of the Rings. It's kind of like the one question to rule them all, right? You know, if you can have this question, if we can understand it, if we can apply it, if we can begin asking it in different areas of our life, it's just got uh, the potential uh, to, to foolproof our our relationships, our marriages, our finances, our calendar, our pace, our uh, health. It just does a lot of this stuff. I mean, pretty much 90% of the decisions we make, if we instituted this question, if we utilize this question, it could just about answer everything that we needed to answer. And so our hope is this, no matter where you're coming from this morning, whether if you're a Christ follower, you're on that spiritual journey, or maybe you're just here investigating faith and checking out this God thing, no matter where you're at on that spectrum, this question should be a staple for you. We hope that it becomes like almost like a filter of, of every invitation or opportunity or decision that comes your way. If you can kind of put this in, we think it can reduce a lot of the tears you cry, the stress that exists in your life. We think that this question will save you money, it'll save you time, and of course, a lot of regret. And if you've been here over the last couple of weeks, what is that question? What is it? What's the... We're going to do that one more time. What's the... Right. What's the wise thing to do? And we've been asking you to ask this question. And I know you, that some of you have been doing this because I've, I've heard from kids and students who are like, can this series please be over? Because like every single time there's a decision or something going on in my house, it's like my mom or my dad looks at me with that face and they do that little smile and they crank their head at a 45 degree angle, you know, and they're like, honey, what's the wise thing to do? And they're just like, oh, you know. But this is it, and, and, and we've been kind of fleshing this out to be more than just what is the wise thing to do. We said that this is a three-dimensional question, that we wanted you to ask this question in light of your past experiences, of your current circumstances, and your future hopes and dreams, your past, circum past experiences, because like your past is different from my past, and my current your current circumstances, like if you look around this room, there are a ton of different life stages that are represented in this room or seasons of life. And then future hopes and dreams. So in light of all those things, we're not asking you to say, what is the right thing to do? Because the question is better than that. And we're not asking you, okay, what is the legal thing to do? Because it's better than that as well. And we're not saying, okay, what is the least I can get by with? Because hopefully we left that in middle school, right? And I know there's probably some of you that are still working through that. Uh, what is the least I can get by with? But it's something bigger than that. It's what is the wise thing to do. And over the next two weeks, we're going to kind of dive into some specific areas of where we can ask this question. And uh, this, this week, we're looking at time. How does the, what is the wise thing to do with my time? And next week, we're going to get into another topic and, and just kind of a heads up. It's one of those things that might get a little saucy in here. So you want to make sure that your children are in the children's area. You want to make sure that your teenagers are up front, you know, and, uh, and are getting the message. If you're a college student, you want to be here and listening to this because it's something that I think adds a ton of regret uh, to our lives. And if we can get a handle on it, it can save us from a lot of that. But that's next week, all right? This week, we're going to be looking at the wise use of time. And Job in the Old Testament said this in Job 14.5, and he says, you have decided the length of our lives. You know how many months we will live, and we are not given a minute longer. 
You see, Job believed, and a lot of Old Testament authors uh, believed that God had set a limit on everybody's life. Like he had determined the days before it came. And we all know that, right? We all know that our time is running out, right? I mean, I know it every single Monday when I take the softball field. Like, it's wrong. I should not have to do a preemptive ibuprofen strike on my body before I go and play a game like softball, right? But I'm just like, there is something pulling somewhere and it does not feel good. Time's running out. And knowing this, and knowing this fact that our time is limited, that, 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 that we don't get another one, that somebody kind of tumped the hourglass over on us when our life began and the sand keeps running and running and running, knowing this, we know that, you know, in our life we can overeat, we can overspend, we can overachieve, but we cannot overlive. We can't. At some point, it runs out, which means the most important, most important thing is not what time it is, but is what are we doing with our time? What is it that we're doing with our time? It's our most valuable asset. It's, it's the thing that we don't get any more of. It's the thing that we can't count on over and over. We, we don't know when that's going to happen for us. We can count our money. We can count our friends. We can make more money. We can make more friends, but we can never count our time. And we can never make more of it. There's nothing that you, could, you and I could do that, that, that would add anything else to the time in life. So if there is ever an area where we need to ask, what is the wise thing to do? It is in this area, this area of our time. It is so limited and it's so valuable. So to get us all on the same page, I wanted to make a few observations just about time in general. And these aren't brilliant and they're not, you know, new and you're not going to go, oh, I never thought about that. That's great, you know, and write it down. It's stuff that we kind of all understand. But what I want to do is kind of provide a foundation for us to kind of move forward with looking at this. And so four observations about time. The first one is this. Investing small amounts of time over time is cumulative. Investing small amounts of time over time is cumulative. Now notice, we're not talking about huge chunks of time. We're talking about daily small deposits of time over time is cumulative. It's summative. It adds up. I want you to be thinking in your mind when you're thinking about time, think about snowball, okay? Snowball starts off with one flake, then two flakes, and then somebody comes and gathers a bunch of flakes together, and then you start adding and adding and adding. And if you roll it down a hill, it could even, you know, catch some more, and it gets bigger, and it gets bigger, and it gets bigger. That's what these small amounts of time over time do. They build up. Think about it. Like if you're going to exercise 30 minutes a day, three or four times a week, week after week, year after year, it adds up to an Abercrombie and Fitch model, right? I mean, that's what happens if we put some small amount of time into that. That's what's going to happen. If you decide, hey, you know what? As a family, we're going to eat together. We're gonna, we're gonna, it's a novel idea. We're going to actually sit around the dinner table and we're going to have dinner together three or four times a week, week after week, year after year. What does that do? It builds up. It builds relational depth. It builds relational collateral. When your children, you know, graduate from college or from high school and they move out of your house, you still have that time that you've spent with them, that you've invested in them. You know what's going on in their life because you're sitting and spending some small amount of time just sitting in the dinner table and talking about life. Think about your time alone with God. You read, you say, I'm going to read and I'm going to pray day after day. And you do it day after day, day after day, day after day. And that builds up your spiritual maturity, right? 
that builds up in you this on, on your journey. It allows you to take next steps. You, you're hearing from God. You're reading. You're learning about his character. It becomes this habit in your life because you're doing it day after day. Again, small amounts of time over time is cumulative. Or maybe it's in a journey group and you said, okay, hey, I'm going to be a part of a journey group. We're going to meet regularly. That might be twice, three, four times a month. But we're going to get in there and I'm going to build into, I'm going to open my life up basically to other people. And I'm going to pour into their life and I'm going to allow them to pour their life into me. It's cumulative. That builds up. It's good for us. But likewise, you're not going to get it in one, if you decide, you know, hey, you know what? I kind of like that journey thing, journey group thing. I'm just going to go one time. I'm just going to go check it out. That's not going to be life-changing, okay? Just like coming to church one time in one sitting, that's not going to be life-changing. There's no benefit in one installment. And also, likewise, there's no consequence in missing one. Like, it's easy to talk ourselves out of exercising, isn't it? I mean, somebody calls you and goes, hey, you know what? Let's go do such and such. And you were planning to work out and you were going to go and you were all excited about it and everything. But then you're like, mm, that sounds a little bit better. You know, if I just miss one, it's not really going to hurt me. I'll get back on track. And then what happens? There's something else that comes up the next day, right? And it's like, ah, it's okay. I'm still good. But it gets easier and easier and easier because missing one installment of just about anything doesn't hurt anything and making one installment doesn't help anything. Just like if you haven't been to the gym in years, you know, and you decide I'm going to go to the gym and you work out. It's not like somebody is going to walk up to you and go, whoo, you are looking good after today. You know, you are swole. I can't believe what's going on here in just one workout. That's amazing. You see, what's important is this. That it's the constant deposits of time, over time, in the key areas of life that make all the difference. That's what makes the difference. Because they're cumulative. They're summative. And so the next observation is this. Neglect is also cumulative. If I choose not to work out, if I just, you know, my goal for this year is, and I'm going to paste it, you know, up on my mirror in a little index card, I will not work out in 2015, you know, or I will not eat healthily in 2015, or, or maybe we, we just say, okay, we're going to neglect relationships this year, or I'm going to neglect, uh, you know, family or my spiritual life or time alone with God, or I'm going to neglect going to church. My goal is not to attend church 52 weeks of this year, you know, that is going to add up to something bad. That's going to take us in a direction that we might not want to go, but it adds up each time that we do that. And the, the, the crazy thing about neglect, neglect is easy, right? Neglect is easy, but you know what? Neglect is also costly. It is. It costs us something. The price you pay to make small time deposits pales in comparison uh, to the price that you pay for neglect. I mean, think about it. If you think, you know, investing in your health is time-consuming, just think about it when you get to the point where something happens to you physically that could have been avoided that you didn't avoid. Maybe you've dealt with this with parents or grandparents or something's gone on and it's like they end up at a spot and they're going, man, this all could have been avoided if just on down the line, somewhere down there, I decided to make small deposits of time in an area that is very, very important. I don't think any of them would ever go, man, I'm just so glad that I didn't do that and I'm right here. Now I've got to pay for, you know, all the, all the medications. I've got to go to the doctor every week. I've got to do all this kind of stuff. No. At the same time, we think about it in our spiritual health, and we just kind of get to that spot where we go, you know, I'm just really kind of too busy for God. I'm too busy for church. I'm too busy for group, all those things. You know, I used to read my Bible, but now I'm really kind of too busy for that. 
But then something happens in your life. Crisis hits. Your life is kind of in a pile. And you're looking around and you're going, man, God seems so far away. Those people that I used to have in my group that used to kind of support me and care for me and, and could, 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 I could, would listen to me and, and give me some good advice and wisdom or just an arm around to cry on, those people are gone now. Man, I have paid a high price for neglect. Or maybe you think about your marriage. It's time-consuming. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of expense. And you're like, oh, I just don't know if I want to build into that. Well, think about the cost when it comes to divorce or counseling or rehab. You see, neglect is cumulative. And it's easy and it's costly. The next observation is this, and this is, might be one that you kind of m- might not have thought about, but random has no cumulative value. There's no cumulative value in the random things that we opt for over the important things of life. Again, let's look at exercise, okay? Take in one hand, okay, I'm going to exercise. I'm going to put in 30 minutes a day for each week and each, each week of the year, and I'm going to put this in. And then over here are the, things that, the random things that we opt for instead of working out. Okay, maybe it's sleeping in, maybe it's doing email, whatever it is. You know, all this adds up to nothing, right? I mean, if I asked you, okay, what did you do last year instead of exercise? Well, I don't know. I I, I slept in. Well, what does that get you? Nothing, you know. I, I answered a bunch of email, but that really gets me nothing. And so that's what random is. Random has no cumulative value. Think, take dinner with family. You know, instead of eating dinner with my family, I could get a couple hours of work in. I could maybe get a few more rounds of golf in. I might could, uh, you know, hang out with my friends more nights of the week than that if I don't have to eat dinner with family. So you take these dinners with family and what it adds up to and what it builds in and what accumulates uh, in and around the relationships that are around that table. And then you take the other stuff that you do. This is nothing. This adds up to nothing. And this has real value. And so again, it comes down to the wise use of time. This is so important because it's those small deposits of time over time that add up. They're cumulative. And the thing about this is like if we, all these random things in our life, if those dominate the time that we have, a lot of times it adds up to regret, right? You look back and you go, what in the world did I do with all the time that I was given? There's a great quote from Jim Rohn, and it says this, there are two types of pain that you will go through in life, the pain of discipline and the pain of regret. Discipline weighs ounces, while regret weighs tons. Some of these things that we're talking about that we need to do, that we need to do the small deposits, it's going to take some discipline. It's going to take some, some time management. But man, the other alternative could be a ton of regret. You see, random has no cumulative value. The last area is this. In areas that matter most, you can't make up for misspent time. In the areas that matter most to you, you cannot make up for misspent time. Maybe I'll put it this way. Basically like this. In in the areas that matter most, you can't pull all-nighters, okay? You can't cram. I mean, you remember when you were in school or maybe it's, you know, in, in some other area. But for me, it was like in school, it's, it's like you get that class and you're just like, eh, I don't really want to go. It's early in the morning. I don't really like the professor. So you don't go. And you're like, oh, I can drop it. 
I can drop it, I can still get my money back, but then you forget because of all the random things that you're doing and you go past that deadline and you're like, oh my goodness, I can't get my money back. And so you're talking to your parents and going, mom, dad, I haven't gone to this class, I'm failing miserably, you know, I, 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 we're not gonna be able to get our money back. And they look at you and they go, hmm, well, you know what, you're gonna pay for that class. Which sends you into scramble mode, right? It's like, oh my goodness, I, I'm going to beg, borrow, steal. I'm going to talk to people who have been there. I've got to like kick it into high gear. You're looking for old exams. You're looking for old tests. You're looking for everything. And you do your best and you put in the work and you get a C. And in your mind, you're going, C is for degree, right? And that's like your mantra. It's like C is for degree, C is for degree. And it's okay. And you're like going in there, but you can't make up. You can cram that, but you cannot. There's some areas in life where you can't cram or pull an all-nighter. I mean, for you, it was like a meeting. I mean, a meeting, you could cram for it. You, you realize, oh, man, I, I was supposed to lead this, and you get in, and you, you get there early, and you do it, and you do an amazing job, and somebody comes up to you and go, you are the Lord of meetings. You are amazing in there, which makes you go, oh, I should procrastinate more, you know? But see, God didn't set life up. The most important things in life, he didn't create them to be able to be crammed. He didn't create them so that we could pull all-nighters and, 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 and get it. You know, you look at relationships or you look at health or finances or our spiritual maturity. Those things can't be crammed for. I mean, you can't wake up and go, you know what? I've missed dinner with my family for six months. And so you talk, you get all the kids together and you're like, all right, everybody down for breakfast. And you put everybody at the table and they're like, all right, we're not moving for the next eight hours. We're making up for six months here. We're going to sit here and we're going to talk and we're going to love each other. That doesn't cut it, Right? You can't make up for misspent time in some of these most important areas. Or maybe, you know, you've been neglecting your spouse for, spouse for months and you think, well, maybe I'll just take her on a, on a trip up to the mountains for the weekend and get her some flowers and it'll all be good. You are sorely mistaken, my friend. <laughs> or maybe a year of no exercise. How many of you have ever done the mega workout? You know what I'm talking about. You know, you haven't been in there for a long time and you're like, okay, this is the day. I'm going to get into the gym. And you get into the gym and you start lifting everything, okay? Like you do every machine twice and you're just like, you know, you're doing all the stuff. You're on the elliptical, you're running, you're on the gazelle thing, you know, whatever that. You're doing all this stuff and you're working out. And then like the next day, your body sends you a message, right? It's like, you're an idiot, and you are sore for like the next week. Or maybe you're a runner and you haven't run in a long time and you're driving down the road and you see somebody running and you're like, oh man, I, really, I need to get back into that. I need to run. And so the next day you set out and you like run five times longer than you should have. And then you can't run for two weeks, right? I mean, we've done that. You see, the most important things in life, we can't cram. We can't pull the all-nighter. You can't make up for misspent time. And I know none of this is new or brilliant or, or, or anything like that, but, but think about this. If you were God and you were going to give yourself advice on how to spend your, spend your time or what is the wise thing to do, what would you give? What is that advice that you would give yourself regarding your time? Let's look at a, at a passage of Scripture uh, where the Apostle Paul was talking to us, and he, uh, he's talking to the church in Ephesians, and, and it's in 5, verse 15 and 16, and it says this, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. And then look at this next phrase right here in 16, making the best use of your time. Now, we looked at this the first week, but this is kind of has the whole underpinnings of what we're talking about with, with this whole series, is that making the best use of your time. Of all the things that he could have applied to the talk about wisdom, what does Paul go into? He goes into time. 
because he knows that this is the most valuable asset. Asset. He knows that your time equals your life. He knows this is the thing that you don't get back. You don't get any extra of, that you can't save up for the future. When it's out, it's out. And he says, if you are going to walk wisely, and if you're going to be careful about how you live, then you've got to specifically be careful about how you use your time. And that last phrase, making the best use of your time. Basically, he's saying right here, it's, it's translated as redeem. You look at other translations and, and you'll see the word redeem used there. And it just means this, getting the full value out of it. How can you get the full value out of the time that you've been given on this earth? How are you going to utilize that? What, the, what are you going to put first? Are the important things going to go first or are the random things going to go first? What are the small deposits of time over time that you need to put into and begin to use and begin to, to utilize so that you can get the full value out of the time that you've been given? And what is his motivation? He goes on to say in, in verse 16, just the, the last little bit, it says, because the days are evil. Now, he might have been talking about a specific thing, but I think really what he's, what he's talking about there is, this, is, is what culture is, is demanding on it or what the flow of culture is saying, this is how you should use your time. You see, the flow of culture is all about neglecting inter- incremental deposits in the things that matter most. If I simply spend the, my time the way that culture wants me to spend my time, if I, spend, I simply spend my time uh, the way that my appetites say that I need to spend my time, if I simply kind of pick up my feet and allow them to be taken by the stream of culture and what's happening around me, here's what's going to happen. It's going to want me to focus on me and just write in what is right in front of me. It's going to be the now. And I will not only not redeem my time, a lot of us have learned this the hard way, it leads us to places where we don't want to be. We waste our time because our appetites aren't going to help us. It's not going to answer what is the wise thing to do with my time. It's going to say, I want you to do what you want to do, when you want to do it, and how you want to do it. That's what culture tells us. That's what our appetites will tell us. You see, our natural drift will always be away from God. It is never going to be to the things of God. And so it doesn't, it doesn't matter for us. With culture telling us exactly what to do, it doesn't matter what we do or where we do it. God is saying, I want you to look at every single opportunity, every single decision that you make and say, what is the wise thing to do with this one and only life that you get? You see, culture doesn't want us to ask that question. And that's our main thought for today. It's what is the wise thing to do with our time? And so the question is this, where do you need to be making some small deposits? And if you're looking at the most important things in your life, where is it that you begin to make consistent deposits of time that make the wise use, that redeem, that get the full value out of your time? And so in light of your past experience, where do you need to begin making consistent deposits of time? Maybe you're a student, and last semester it was horrible. You didn't turn in any work. You spent a lot of time on Xbox. You spent a lot of time on social media, and your grades suffered. And you're like, okay, in light of my past experiences, I need to make some small deposits in, in, in school. And so that maybe that means I need to stow my Xbox. Maybe that means I need to take a break from social media. Maybe in light of my past experiences in relationships, I know that, man, the last one ended horribly. I need to listen more. I need to not allow my identity identity to be wrapped up in a relationship, but be wrapped up in being this child of God. Maybe I need to fix myself first. 
Or maybe in, in, in light of my past experiences and my last marriage, I need to cherish and pursue my wife. I need to fight for a relationship with her. I need to choose my spouse over work, over hobbies, over kids even, and over my friends. Because I don't want it to end up the same way. Or maybe it was a health scare. Or maybe you're looking at it and you go, man, my family history. There are so many temptations of, of addiction or maybe abuse. And, and I don't want to end up that way. So I need to invest small deposits and make small deposits of time over time so that I'm not in that same predicament as the rest of my family's in. And in light of the current life stage that I'm in, where do I need to begin making consistent deposits of time? Maybe you're single. And man, I hope and pray, uh, you know, that, that maybe one day you're going to have a spouse and you're going to have a family because it's awesome. I can tell you that. But maybe you're just like, I don't really need that. And that's okay. But you're going to, you, what you want to do is you're going to look at this, uh, this time and this season of life that you're in right now. And you're going to realize if, I, if you've got a family, I have so much time. <laughs> and you don't believe it right now. You're like, I am so busy. But man, have a family. <laughs> You will be like, man, why didn't I write a novel or a television screenplay? Or, or why didn't I just, you know, achieve world peace during this? Because I had so much time right now. I have more time than I, than I know what to deal with. And so what I'm going to do is in light of my circumstances, in light of my, my season of life, I'm going to make sure that I'm ready for that. I'm going to make sure that, that relationally and spiritually and financially, I'm going to take steps so that I am ready for when that time happens and my time isn't so great. Or maybe you're thinking about, you know, the age of my kids. And my kids are young, and they're going to require more of me in this season of life than they ever will again. And so during this season of life, I'm going to focus in on them. And it means making some decisions on some things that maybe we want to do or maybe some things that, that, that might even seem more fun or, 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 or better and go, I'm going to invest in them. Or maybe it's the health of your marriage. In light of your current circumstance, the health of your marriage, what do I need to stop doing so that my marriage can thrive? And it means that we might need to say no to some stuff in this season of life and say no for right now. But also in light of our future hopes and dreams, where do I need to begin making consistent deposits of time? Maybe you need to go back and make a relationship right. Maybe you need to forgive somebody so that you can move forward to be ready for the next relationship. Or maybe if you're married, you're looking at it and going, my future hopes and dreams are that, that we, we end together. Like we last. Like we make it. Like we grow old together. I mean, we all have a picture of what that is in our mind, of what we want our future to be. And maybe with a parent... As a parent of, of kids, you're looking at it and going, okay, hey, what is the end goal here? What is the end in mind? Because I've got a limited amount of time with my kids when they're in my house, when we have relationship with them. What is the end in mind? Do I want them to end up being, you know, in every single extracurricular activity? Do I want them to end up with a ton of trophies on their, on their wall? Do I want them to end up with a great GPA, which all of that stuff is good. But man, if they graduate and that is all they have and that is all that they're taking with them when they leave your house, is that it at the expense of relationship with you at the expense of relationship with God is that what you want or is it that when they leave my house I want them to have an alive growing relationship with Christ and if that's the goal then what are the steps that I need to take right now what is a wise use of my time what are the experiences that I need to put them in you know so that they can experience and 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 be challenged to take that next step in their spiritual journey Maybe for some of us, we just want relationship with our kids. 
And what do I need to do now so that we can have a relationship that lasts when they leave this house? So that they're not dragging with them a lot of pain and a lot of regret. Or maybe with our health. What do we need to do now? If, if, If we want to get here, if we want to be healthy when we're older, what do we need to do now so that that becomes a reality? Or maybe with our finances, do we want to be financially free? Or do we want to be looking at pictures of cars and houses that we never should have bought in the first place? That now we don't have. In light of your past experiences, your current stage of life, your future hopes and dreams, where do we need to begin making consistent, small deposits of time, physically, spiritually, relationally, professionally? What is the wise use of our time? I remember for me in college, I loved watching sports. I mean, playing sports, watching sports. I mean, I had buddies that we would sit down on a Sunday afternoon, and at 12 o'clock, we began watching football, and it did not end until like late night on Sunday night, and then we would come back again and convene again for, you know, Monday night football, and we would just sit down, and we would plan ourselves and watch. We didn't, we, we barely moved, you know. It was like only, only necessities. You needed to go get something to drink or go to the restroom. Otherwise, you're sitting down, and you're watching sports. It happened again in March when March Madness came about, and it was like from Thursday until Sunday, we watched basketball 24-7, and we would like order food because we didn't want to leave and miss something, and so we're, it was before DVR, you know, and so like we didn't want to miss anything, so we're just watching and watching, and I loved it, man, just the camaraderie, and we just would watch football, and we just loved it, and then I got married, and uh, yeah, and I, I married a, a woman that has two sisters, okay? So all girls in the house, and there was not sports to be watched in, in her house at all. And so when I got married, it becomes that, it's that like first Sunday, and I'm like, I'm sitting down, and, and I'm about to watch some football, and I'm like setting up shop, okay? We're going to watch. This is what we do on, on Sundays at 12. We're going to watch some football. And she's like, are you going to watch that? Are you going to watch it like for like 30 minutes? Maybe an hour, and then we'll go do something. We'll just talk. You know, it's like, <laughs> and I'm like, uh, uh, immediately I'm going, oh, my goodness, what is this? What's going on here? You know, but <clears throat> one thing saved it and saved our marriage, and that was DVRs. It was TiVo. TiVo came out. <clears throat> it did. And, and I had to make the decision, okay, the most important thing is this relationship that I have with my wife and then eventually my kids. And so what I made the decision was, okay, I'm going to give up live sports. It means that I don't watch live sports. I don't. There's rarely a time where I'm watching live sports, and that makes me that guy, you know, that comes into the room when there's a big sporting event, and it's like, okay, don't say anything, don't say anything. You know, please, I don't know the score. Don't say anything, don't say anything, you know? And there's times when I've walked into restaurants and I've had headphones and my hat pulled down because I don't want to see anything, and, I don't, you know, I'm, I, I'm that guy. But here's the deal is I made the choice of, okay, I've got limited time, and the most important thing to me is that I build into this family that God has given me and this wife that God has given me. That means that this stuff over here, that needs to drop. There needs to be something. There needs to be a choice made. And that's what I said. I said, I'm going to drop it. It's okay. And that is built into relationship. And they can know that I will choose them over sports or over other stuff every single time. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time. And if you do, in the next season of life, you're going to look back at this season and you're going to be glad that you did. There's not anybody that I know that looks back and says, man, I wish I would have neglected more of the people that were important to me. 
I wish that I would not have done the most important things in my life. But the decision is up to you. Will you ask it? Will you ask it? Will you ask it? In light of my past experiences, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do with my time? Let's pray. Father, this is one of those that's, that's easy to talk about and hardest to do. And God, we know that we can't do this on our own, that it's going to require your spirit moving in us so that we can do the things that matter most, God. I pray for some of us in this room, maybe just to take, even today, ask that question, what is the wise thing to do with my time? And maybe even make some changes as we go home and tonight. Maybe we, we gather around the dinner table for the first time. God, so that we can redeem this one and only life that you've given us. Father, we love you. And we thank you, God, that you are with us every single step of the way. That's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.